Welcome to Headset, the podcast that examines the unique mental skill sets of elite athletes, performers, and executives. It is our goal to discover the various skill sets that these individuals use to get their heads set to perform. Got a little bit of a different conversation happening today. It's a, it's a bit of a long one, folks, um, but definitely an interesting and entertaining one. Today, the athlete I'm speaking with is Mr. Max Chance, rock star name, deserves to be a pro athlete with the name alone. Um, we're talking about things a little bit different than performance. We're talking about influence. We're talking about... Um, people who are significant in our life that have helped us to get to where we are today. And and it's an incredible conversation because what we end up talking about, uh, Mr. Mac Chance and I, is uh, the influence of our moms in our life. And uh, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation piece that we have. Like I said, it's a bit of a lengthy one, but it's definitely entertaining. Uh, opens up the doors to a lot of things that we don't really think about, talk about, and often share, and that's the influence of family in our lives and and how family's been so important to help us get to where we are today. And Max is is an incredible athlete. He's um, with Team Wildlife Generation and um, working hard to stay in shape now with what's going on in our world, and he provides a really interesting perspective on what life has been like for him uh, as of late as well as how he's gotten to where he is in life now as a pro athlete with the support of, of his mom. And uh, I enjoy sharing a few tidbits of my own uh, mother in this as well, and I hope you guys will enjoy it. Thank you so much for being a part of our day today, um, those people who are listening. And I hope this message reaches you all well and, and families are, are, are in a good place with all the crazy and hecticness that's going on in our times today. Um, I've got a special treat. We're, we're interviewing today a rock star from one of the teams that I get to work with, uh, a guy who was born to be a professional athlete just by his name alone, Max Chance from Team Wildlife Generation, the pro cycling team. Max What's shaking over there in Boulder, Colorado? How you doing? I am doing well, considering everything. It is snowing right now, and it's a nice wet spring snow. We're supposed to get 12 inches. So, yeah, this like self-quarantine thing. Say again? 12 inches you're supposed to get in Boulder, Colorado? Yeah, uh, over the next two days. And it's like heavy, wet, wet spring oh. snow. So, yeah, so it's like, it's kind of good because, right, everyone's supposed to be inside and not doing anything anyway. And now the roads are shit. And, like, we can't really, like, I went, I had to drop off a bike to ship somewhere and it was like, no one's out. So, oh. it's going to put a damper on uh, some of my uh, off season quarantine goals, but I think it'll be okay. Well, let, let me tell you about the chaos we're dealing with in, in beautiful, sunny California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> let me just rub that in there a little bit. I was there for a week, two, a month and a half, and then came back, and it was one day before it snowed. Oh. So. so last night, we got hammered with rain, and, yeah. and it was like monsoon. Now it's like you could even tell that it, it rained the past week and a half. 
And, and with all the crazy quarantine stuff that we've got going on, it, it's almost like you've got to readjust your life schedule in the sense that it usually takes you 40 minutes to get from point A to point B. Now it takes you five. And, totally. Um, it, it's, it's really freaky. I'm sure you might be dealing with similar things out there, but I was in a grocery store yesterday and literally had uh, an attendant there laugh at me because I went down an aisle that was completely empty. Like we're talking as if Armageddon went through. And I happened to ask the stupid question of, um, do you think you have any more rice in the back of the store? And there was a lady packing her own bag, looking at me, looking at the attendant, and the two of them just busted out laughing. Like, you got to be kidding me, right? Yeah. One of the other crazy things that happened to, to me over the past two days, get this, um, I'm in a, another grocery store, and these two guys come barreling out of the back, right? They've got the big dolly, and they're pushing the dolly through, and, and they're going down this aisle, and they're just ripping box tops off with these, like, uh, exacto knives. And everyone's in a buzz, right? So you can't help but not want to go over and, like, what's the buzz all about? And what are they yeah, unleashing? Yeah. Toilet paper, right? They're unleashing toilet paper. So they're, they're unleashing toilet paper to the point where there's so much chaos and madness to get the toilet paper that they don't even take the toilet paper out of the boxes. They're just cutting yeah. the top of the boxes off and they're tossing the boxes in there. That's and insane. As they're doing this, it gets even more crazy. Watch this. You have an assistant manager from the store at one end of the aisle, another one at the other end of the aisle, and they're pulling people out so that there won't be mass hysteria to get the TP. And That's then, as these poor guys are thrown in these cases of TP, one of them stands up and announces, hey everyone, please respect your neighbor. Please make sure that there aren't any elderly people in front of you as you go out to get some. And oh, please remember, only two packs per person. So I look over at this lady who's standing beside me and I couldn't help just saying, it just came flying out of my mouth. It was like, I can't believe that we need to have to announce that. Yeah. But here's where it gets crazier. So you can't help but go in now, right? Because there's been this bustle. So I go mm -hmm. in. You got it. People have cleared out and there's these two women who dive in to grab packs. They grab packs and as I'm grabbing mine, I look at one of them and say, hey, do either one of you happen to know how much we're paying for these? And the two ladies looked at each other, then looked at me and said, I have no clue what the cost is for this. And they both, yeah. they both put their packs back. <laughs> so it's like, did you really need that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's going on, right? Like, like. I don't get it. And the other thing that makes my head turn, right? So again, in another store on Thursday of last week. You shop a lot. Dude, I, I yeah, <laughs> right? What else are you yeah, going to do? Right? Right? So, it's a pastime now. Right? It's, it's become a thing to do. So it's, so it's so weird to me, right? Like, like this is how my little brain works, right? You've got no toilet paper, no bounty quicker picker up. You've got, um, no water in some of these stores. Yeah. I didn't know the 
we're now having a drought. Had no clue about that. But well, also your faucets are getting turned off for some reason. Thank Apparently. you. Thank you. But then you walk two aisles down and you're at the pharmacy in the store. And what's stocked to the moons that no one's touching? Antihistamines, decongestants, cold remedy, flu remedy. It's crazy. Why do I need that? Why do I need that? Right? Well, if you have enough toilet paper, you'll be fine. I (laughs) I made a mistake today. So I live with I live with five people, four people at a house in Boulder. Mm -hmm. And some of them are gone, some of them are here. But right now there's four of us here. And before so I was in California for a month and a half, mostly while this was developing. And I got back right as like Boulder and like Colorado started getting like I think we have the fifth most cases in the country now. Yeah. And so they had all gone to Costco. And it was right at the time where everyone started kind of freaking out. And so they were like, okay, we got to get, we got to get canned food, but can all, all the canned food is out. So what do they get? They got green canned green beans. And I was like, there is no point at this quarantine <laughs> that I'm going to want canned green beans. And I was joking with my other roommate today. I was like, I will voluntarily eat a can of green beans. If one of them, actually ever opens these. They're like, fuck away on the top shelf. There is no way that any of the green beans are going to get eaten. Like there's, I can, I can spend disbelief, right? And we're, we're trapped in our house for two weeks. There's so many other things I would eat before fucking canned green beans that there is like, that is the last, even if that was the only thing on the shelves, I'd be like, no, 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 it's fine. The grocery stores aren't closing tomorrow. I'll get something else some other time. Buddy, I also <laughs> green beans. I don't even know who buys that. I don't even think grandmothers go buy that stuff. I don't think anyone does. No, and that's why probably like they're like, oh shit, we need some canned stuff. Get green beans. Oh, yeah. And so I was also like, I was on the can, and I'm sitting next to our like pile of toilet paper that's always been there in our defense. <laughs> like we didn't hoard it to begin with, but we shopped. We went to Costco recently because we ran out before this crisis, so we do have a weirdly large amount. Nose. But I, I got a bloody nose, and so I like had to use some of the precious toilet paper to like plug my nose. <laughs> so I walked out, and I was like, "I do apologize to all to everyone. I had to use uh, a couple sheets of toilet paper to plug a bloody nose. <laughs> it's a dangerous time we're living in. So if we run out, I volunteer to wipe asses with one hand. You each get one <laughs> ass wipe for each piece of toilet paper that I used. This will come out of my ration. This is- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I if we run out. I did take two extra pieces that I didn't need. I will wipe one one wipe per hand. Oh my god! Contribution. <laughs> so you, you know what's 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 weird with all of this, right? Is, is the trends that we're creating now, right? The trends we're creating. So I, I don't know if you've heard of this new invention. Uh, it just came out. It's called Netflix. It's it's brand new, brand new Netflix. And you you go in through Netflix and you see the movies that are coming to the top of like the most mm-hmm. watched and, and here's a suggestion for you. And it's like virus yep, <laughs> Con- yep. contagion, <laughs> the breakout, <laughs> like, like, ah, awesome. Way to go guys. One of, one of my roommates is in uh he's racing for the Hincapi team. And so he's actually in Girona, Spain right now, oh. like under super lockdown. And like a week and a half ago before they were locked down, they're like, Oh, better watch pandemic on Netflix. So we know what's going to happen. And then, like a week later, they were, like couldn't leave their house. It, it it's it's crazy, right? Like yeah. it, it's it's 
it's so crazy. I mean, with all of the, 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 the things that are happening, it, it makes you wonder um, how people are going to evolve from this. So like yeah. talking to a group of people last night, um, an interesting thought came up that are we in a couple months going to see a spike in baby births? Are we going to see a spike in, in people um, wanting to get out even more because they've been kept in for so long? Yeah. Um, I, I hope these are the things that we're going to see some, some cool things, but uh, my, my concern is, is how are people getting through the now? Right? Because yeah. we seem to be talking about what we can't do. Right. And, yeah. and that's, that's an interesting And for you. It's gotta be more interesting when you've got the weather working against you. So totally. like, I don't know if you heard what happened to us today, but we got an earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm, pretty, I'm waiting for the locusts to come flying over pretty yeah. soon. It's, it's nuts. So, so let me ask you some, some technical stuff here, right? Like, um, you, you've got a, a very accomplished, um, resume to yourself in that just a year ago, well, two years ago, you were in the U23 nationals and you finished fifth. Um, same year, Tour de Vos, stage five, 10th place. And then the year before that, you were competing in, in cyclocross. Can you, can you tell me about cyclocross? Is, is this the new cool one that I hear about where you're carrying your bike as well and you're, it's kind of like mountain biking meets road biking meets extreme biking? Is that what that is? It totally is. I don't know what like hole you've been living in in cycling where like cross is like this new cool sport. Because for everyone else, like it was so five years ago. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Like so I've, so I, yes. I grew up, I grew up, I grew up in Boulder, right? And I grew up racing cross. Like I, it's just a lot more fun for those who don't, who aren't like well indoctrinated into it. It's basically you have a road bike that has slightly bigger tires, and you're riding around like a one to two mile track in a park in any weather condition, rain, snow, shine, and then there's obstacles that you have to get off and run and carry your bike. And it's awesome. It's crazy. It's like they're the fans are great. Like there's there's notorious like beer hand ups and all these things. They've cracked down on it a little bit recently, but um yeah, no, Cyclocross is like the it used to be like the people would always describe it as like the punk rock version of cycling. Kind of just like off kilter and more fun and just crazy. So instead of like strict road racing and mountain biking rules and stuff. So it's funny because hearing you describe this and knowing where you live yeah, from Canada and, and, and specifically Toronto, where we, we have part of that snow belt, I, I call everything you just said, um, going to school. Yep. Yep. Right? yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and, and I can completely remember as a kid taking this bike it was a shock bike. I don't know if you remember those a hundred years ago. And we were not allowed to take our bikes to school because we took our bikes to school and they got stolen. My mom was going to open up a, a can of whip ass. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's winter time. And of course, the smart guy is going to take his bike to, to school and I'm going to ride it through the park over this bridge and away I go, right? And sure enough, I hit this chunk of ice. I crashed the bike into like this huge rock and and the bike more or less gets gets stuck in the snow i gotta bring the thing back home and of course i did something to the tire because the tire started to 
shrink. So now what happens, you've got this like 100-pound bike, I weigh maybe 80 pounds max at the time, and, and I've got to carry the thing home. How embarrassing is this, right? Sure enough, try to hide it in the garage. My mom catches it, sees snow on the bike because, you know, the rocket scientist doesn't figure that out. Maybe I should take the snow off so my mom doesn't catch this, right? The thrashing that I got. And hearing you describe <laughs> what you do for fun um, puts me back yeah. in regress therapy. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's awesome. I, I, I think it's so awesome. Um, I, I've seen it a bunch of times. I've got a couple of buddies back east that just love it. And it's so applicable with the weather, right? So, oh, 100%. I actually was at a coffee shop here and ran into one of my high school like teachers who ironically kicked me off the cross-country team in high school because me and one of my buddies wanted to do – because in cyclocross, you have to run. And as a cyclist, that's not like a right. feature that most cyclists are good at or like to do. Sure. I enjoy it a lot. But um, – yeah, so we were when we were freshmen, we started out high school and we, we were doing the cyclocross thing and we're like, oh, this would be great. We could do a little cross country, really, really get our running good for cross. And he, we did a, a week and he was like, no, you guys need to like focus 100% on cross country or you can't do it. And we're like, dude, we've been doing cyclocross for so, like this doesn't matter. We're like, what if, what's the, I didn't do high school sports. So it's like varsity, JV and like, what's the, like freshmen or whatever yeah, freshman team the freshman we team. were competing at like the amateur freshman team level like we weren't runners it's not like it was like you guys could be good i need you to focus on cross country it was like yes. you're just doing the slow group but i need you to do it every day of the week sure and we're sure. like and my friend my like best friend growing up he got a stress fracture in that week of running anyway <laughs> and so we we're like and then he's like yeah you guys got to commit fully to cross country we we're like no we're not doing that and yeah. i i yeah. ran at the coffee shop and he was i loved him as a teacher a great teacher um and i ran into the coffee shop he's like moved to the east coast and is now racing cyclocross and for cyclocross state champion because he was like asking if i still race and stuff you can't you can't make that up right uh, no. teach i hope the emphasis is cross country <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so let me, let me ask the question here right that, that i gotta ask I, I know that you've been racing for nine years but yep. I gotta ask this, right? Because predominantly being a high school sport kind of guy, and and hearing what you just said, how the hell did you ever get into cycling? Like, how, how does one get into this? And because I'm just curious to know, was this like a family thing? How did you how did you end up doing this? Well, so I I don't know how much you know about Boulder, but everyone here rides bikes, and it's like one of the endurance sports capitals of the country. Cause we have like beautiful roads, good weather half the year. And so like, there's a ton of cyclists that are here. There's big racing scene and stuff. And so I, my mom was always super active and she just likes riding around on bikes and stuff. Like when I was growing up, we were on, we had a tandem with a double tag along, which is like the thing that goes out the back. Yeah. The kids can pedal along. We had a double, a double one of those. So now we have four, but my family's five big. So then we also had a burly on the back of the tag along with my, like one of my younger brothers who didn't like to ride bikes. And so we were like ri riding around the bike path on this like 20 foot rig. Oh. But my younger brother uh, decided that he wanted to start pickup cycling. Cause my mom was like, I think she was doing Ironmans or something at this point. She was just always encouraging us to be like active and stuff. 
And so he went and he had done a season and then I was convinced to go to a cyclocross practice, ironically, and they were doing a mock race and I didn't have a bike, but I had my brother's road bike that didn't fit and had the road tires on it. And then I show up to the practice and they're like, all right, we're going to do a mock race. And I had so, so much fun that I like, I got, I think I won the heat I was in or something and I got to move on to the finals, but I came across the line just bleeding. My whole shin is just, just covered. I still have a scar. And I, like, had, I was on flat pedals that were metal and they were sharp. And so they just like whacked my shin. Oh yeah. And I was having like the time of my life. And I'm just like sliding around in a park on a road bike and everyone else got tires and stuff. Just, just sliding around. And my mom's like, Max, what, what happened? You're bleeding. I'm like, I'm bleeding. Like what? And this is like the story of my childhood is like, come home. And my mom's just like, why are you bleeding? I'm like, I'm not bleeding. And she's like, look right there. Your, your leg is bleeding. I'm like, couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. Have a huge, like my shin is just caked in blood, but they're like, all right, like first three advance to the next round. I was like, mom, I got to do the next round. Oh, I love and it. yeah, then got another bike. I met like two of, uh, two other kids like doing the program. Uh, there was like, it was, I got lucky. There was, uh, a new team starting in Boulder, uh, coached by Kerry Higgins, Olympian. Uh, and it was a bunch of kids like 10 to 13 years old. We'd meet after schools and go ride bikes. And it was like, I met two of my best friends growing up and it was basically just like after school, we just met up for bike rides and would just go rip around. So, so you were how old when you did that run? I was probably, I probably started racing when I was 11 or 12. Holy cow. And not like, you know, I not like super competitive, but yeah. it's weird because when people ask you like how long you've been racing for, it's like, well, like technically I've been racing for like, I'm 23 now, almost 24. So like almost 12 years. Right. But like the first five to seven years of that, were not a like traveling around the country competitive God. kind of thing. God. And then, yeah, just like kept doing more, doing more traveling and stuff. And it was basically like my like two best friends outside of school were, and I, I was a big soccer player when I was a kid, soccer player and swimmer. And, uh, my mom has always like, she always like steers me in a certain direction. And she's like, this is a bad thing for you to do. So I was like doing soccer and I was going to in Boulder. There's like one, like it's like, it's a charter school, but it's supposed to be like the really, really hard school and like middle school is harder than high school. And, and I l got lucky and it's a, it's like a random, like random draw to see who goes there. And I got in and my mom was like, school is going to be really hard. You have to quit the, Cause I think I was doing soccer. I was doing soccer this time and swimming. And I, she's like, you're the traveling for soccer is going to be too much. Like you need to quit soccer. And so all of my friends are soccer players all cause I grown up with them. We'd been like, we'd been playing soccer and like the league up and stuff. And we were all going to middle school together and stuff. I'm going to play soccer. My mom's like, no, no, no travel, no travel team. You can't travel. You got to focus on school. You can still do bikes and, and uh, swimming and stuff. And so I had quit soccer. was doing swimming. And then after like a year of swimming, my mom was like, was like, no, you can't do swimming and cycling. You got to pick one. You're better at cycling, do cycling. And I was like, Ugh, okay, fine. So it was just kind of like a slowly, like my mom would just eliminate sports that I was doing for, for better or worse. And so then all my friends are playing soccer after school and I'm just out riding with my two buddies going on bike rides and stuff. So, so your mom and my mom went to the same mom school of mom. <laughs> So, so my mom was all about um, 
what can I put you in that's going to be safe? What can I put you in that's going to uh, better you as a person? And um, what's going to be cheap? So, yeah. so for my mom, what she dealt with is I was the kid a hundred years ago that if like five miles down the road, some kid sneezed, I got that kid's cold. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so the idea of putting me into like ice hockey and whatnot, which is the thing you're supposed to do as a Canadian was out of the question. And my grandfather actually was the guy that, that took me in the middle of the night, literally, and signed me up for like league play. And told my mom, if you touch him, if you do anything to him, you're going to deal with me. So it was kind of cool to see my grandfather still disciplining my mom. But yeah, yeah. what happened for me was um, I was a kid that had to go from program to program that would help subsidize you to do things. Yeah. Um, because for, for us, too, uh, up there in the Great White North, um, it's interesting to hear you talk about being able to cycle with all the weather diversity that you have there. That wasn't even an option growing up. Like, I mean, your bike came out in June, right? Like, yeah. that wasn't even something that you, you did. I don't even think there was anything organized, to be quite honest with you. So for me, like, like getting a chance to talk to people who are in such incredible sports like, like yourself – I always wonder how did you get in? Like how, how did you, how did you get started with certain things? Because most team stuff, you know, you, you'll have a an athlete say, "Oh, my dad played, my mom played." That's uh, what we do, right? But something like like this, I mean, I'm I'm freaking out just hearing you mention that your mom was into triathlons. How did that happen? Was she always a, a track star, or like what was the story with her? Um, I mean, long story short, she was in her, like, her family's military family, right? And so they were, like, bouncing around. She ended up going to spend a lot of time in Hawaii oh. and was, like, working in restaurants and stuff and always, like, loved the ocean, loved just, like, my mom is, like, somehow the fittest person I know. And, like, I know a lot, like, I know a lot of fit people, but, like, I still think my mom could, like, kick my ass on any, like, relatively... On anything, like sure, like I'm faster at bikes than her, but like, relatively speaking, she is better than I. So she, like, my parents uh, met playing volleyball, and then they, like, my mom just slowly transitioned. I don't know. She just loves being outside and stuff. So she would just be like really big into running. She was doing a bunch of marathons when I was a kid, and then uh, came in to like decided that she would like swimming. So she's like bikes now, and so. She liked biking around and then triathlons just seemed like the best thing to do. And so did a couple Ironmans and then had to get back surgery. So she's like, had to take a step back, but like, she's all fine now. Like her birthday was last Monday and it was like 40 degrees and windy and she rode 60 miles cause it was her 60th birthday. Oh. Yeah. And she'll, she does this every year. She'll just ride her age and you know, it's similar to Canada, right? Like in the winter, it's yeah. not nice to ride bikes. And so she'll like, she doesn't have a car and she works across town. And so she'll either walk like the 90 minutes to get to work and be like, yeah, it's just like a hike and she'll take the long way. Or like, it's funny, like explaining things about your parents because you're like, Oh, this makes a lot of sense. Like I totally get why I'm doing things now, you know? Yeah. So she will take the long way or like ride her bike the long way. And that's like, so her, her like workouts were like walking or riding to work which is not like, it's a far walk, but it's not a crazy walk. And it's not a very far ride in all weather conditions. And then her birthday is like March, what was that? March 10th. And so March 10th, it's still cold. 
there's not a lot of time to like build up a base of like riding a lot. And she'll just like go bang out like 59 miles or 60 miles. And she'll take her friends that are like still doing Ironmans and stuff and drop them. And like, they can't keep up. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like, like I don't either. He, hearing that, right. Growing, growing up in, 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 in my generation, my mom, I remember her vividly dragging me to uh, her tennis matches and, and she would play tennis and, and you'd have to be the ball boy. And, and she would crush the people she's playing against. Like she, like, like the one thing about my mom that, that I can say is this, um, she can't do anything for fun. There's no fun. Fun, fun is when you win. There's, so yeah, there's, yeah. there's no fun. And, and it, was, it was interesting seeing her try to evolve years and years down the road when, when my level of, of, of competition got more and more you know, significant, shall we say. But for her, it was always about the competition and it was always about um, are you pushing yourself? And most importantly, you can never, ever, ever be termed the four-letter word of, of, of death, and that would be lazy. Yeah, but yeah. You ever got labeled as lazy? Oh, the thrashing that you would get. The thrashing. I remember my, if our moms got together, I don't know what that would be like. It, it, it would be like two nuclear reactors getting together. Yeah, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a stupid story about my mom. So I remember in this new community that we had moved to, um, there was a brand new uh, hockey rink. And, in the, and one of the rinks was a, predominantly a training rink. And in this training rink above the arena, you had a running track. So my mom um, notices this instantly, right? And, and my mom really didn't love coming to practice. But if she did come, she was always doing something. She was reading books, putting herself through college. She couldn't just sit and watch practice. So all of a sudden, in this particular year, I don't know, two, two months in the season, she starts the walking club. So she coordinates with all the other moms. Hey, listen, we're going to do the walking club. And after practicing, we're going to walk. Well, this soon became the running club. And drama started because there was some that she would go run with on Tuesday night, but then Thursday night she would walk. So she had to balance who she's doing the workouts with. Okay. So we get to maybe about December now, December, January, and some drama happens on the team. And, and some of the parents are not happy with the coaches and the way practices are going, blah, 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 blah. So there becomes this scenario where um, we, we have to have a parent meeting, right? So we're all the guys, we all know about this. We're about 13 at the time. And um, um, the parents are coming into the locker room and my, my mom says, okay, get your stuff out. We're having a parent meeting, get up, right? So I, I schlep all my stuff out and um, guys are putting their stuff in the car. And I think, okay, you know, it's getting a little bit late. The meeting's been going on for a while. Um, she's probably going to be agitated with me when she comes out if my stuff's not in the car. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to kind of knock on the door and, hey, mom, can I get the car keys? I'm going to put the stuff in the car, right? And I go back in, I peer open the door, and there's my mom, center of the locker room, everyone's sitting down, and she's holding court. And she's looking at people and she's saying this. She goes, you, you, you're going to have qualms with our coaches talking about the lack of effort they put out. 
let me make something clear to you, mister. And she's yelling at these two dads. And she's like, me and the ladies work harder than your kid when we're on walking day. So let me make something clear. When your kid can keep up with me and these ladies in the running day, then we'll talk about who's being lazy on the team. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my God, this is my mom, right? And, and all of a sudden, she just got up, grabbed her purse and said, I'm out of here. We're gone. Damn. What a badass. Oh, she, she like, like seriously, uh, she would have been perfect in the movie Terminator. Like, she would have scared the alien home. Like, like it just, yeah, yeah. there's just no, like, there's, there's just no in between. Like, like, you're competing to win. You're competing to win. And, I, and I'll tell you something, you know, I look at what I do now and, and, and I got all of this through my mom. Like, like my mom was the person that they put visualization into my head. My mom was the one that said, see yourself winning, see yourself making the play, see yourself working hard and get good with it. And, and, you know, she would say to me in, in not the most, you know, uh, poetic ways, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable, yeah. so get over it. Just get over it, right? Get over it. And, and I remember having things inside of me that would give me super anxiety or stress or whatever. And I would look up in the stands and she'd be looking at me, giving me one of these or like, come on, you know, and she'd be just amped. And it was never happy, happy, happy. It was not, it was the complete opposite. It was like, we got to crush yeah. these guys. Right. Oh, it was just like, she brought the intensity to everything that I did. And, and your mom sounds similar to that. My mom is like similar in the complete opposite sense. Like she is like, she, she'll come to races and stuff and you can hear her across the course because she is so loud because she is cheering. <laughs> like, like I, I, like she can, I can hear her at any point in a bike race. I know that she's there. And sometimes I'll like kind of hear, like, was that, where are you? <laughs> but it's funny that you say, because like your mom's super competitive, right? But my mom is like all about like, Max, just like go out and have fun. Like go out, like do what you love. Like go, and she'll just like every before every race, she texts me. She'll be like, "Have a great race. Like hope it, hope it goes well. Like you're doing what you love." And so it's funny because it's like, it's always just been like, "Oh yeah, but like we like being outside because it's nice to be outside." Like, right. oh, this marathon is like a challenge, but it's like you're just outside the whole time. Or like this Iron Man, like yeah, I'm gonna go like win my category, but like I'm just here to have fun. Right. And so never like. It was never like, oh, you got to go do this to win. You're like, how lucky are you? You're like riding bikes all the time, you know? So for her, like she would start off with, with you know, do stuff that's fun and stuff you enjoy because then you're going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. But then when you got in, it was, yep. you better be playing to win. Yep. Like, this better be part of what we're doing here, right? Yep. And I'll give you like a great one, right? So like at some point in time, I think my mom kind of got the gist that you know things are getting serious there's there's pressure involved and and she was going to try and make this attempt to go to the complete opposite direction in life and, and just be supportive and happy and oh honey and i'm like who the hell is this right so i'll never forget this one one one, one of the cool things about my, my my parents is that um they were always quick to offer rides and help other kids on on, on the teams i was on so if there's ever a kid who, whose parents couldn't finish work in time and needed a ride to a game or whatever, my mom was the quickest to say, we got him. We'll pick him up. We'll take care of him. We got him. 
So, so we play this game. I got to be like maybe 15 at the time. My head is this big. Ego is even bigger, right? Yeah. And I'm in the back seat with my, my, my buddy, and we had just gotten our asses whipped. We had gotten our asses whipped, and um, um, the coach had made some nice compliments to me and, and kind of tried to keep spirits up. And, and I'm sitting back, and I'm letting my head get bigger and bigger and bigger, and I started elbowing my buddy in the back. I'm like, hey, watch this. So I'm like, hey, Ma, how do you think I did today? Right? Oh, honey, you tried so hard. You put such great effort out there. It was good. You, you, you really worked hard today. So I look at my buddy and I'm like, give him another one. So Ma, how do you think I played though today? Like, how do you think I did? Right? She goes, oh, you, you, you did great. You know, you, you made some really good saves. So if you don't know, I, I was a hockey goalie. So I should say like, oh, you made some good saves or whatever. Now, as I'm going in for my third little poke at mom to pick me yeah. up, I see my father driving and he's looking in the rearview mirror and all I see is one of these, right? And he's just, he's cooking. Like he's just scheming, right? Because you can see right through what's going on because you can yeah, see yeah. in the rearview mirror that I'm like watching to get mom to cheerlead for me now, right? So now I go in for the third one, right? I go, so mom, seriously, I go, what save did you like the best that I made? And all of a sudden it snaps. And she leans over and she goes, do you really want to know how I thought you played? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, okay, first of all, this is how it goes. Um, the first two goals were completely your fault. They went right through your legs. It was really embarrassing to watch. The third <laughs> goal that went in, you gave a rebound up that seriously, even grandma could have stopped. And you just couldn't get your fat ass up enough to get over and make the save. And let me just tell you, myself and all the parents in the building, we all saw how slow you got up. And to be once again, quite candid with you, it was embarrassing to watch. But the fourth and the fifth goal that went in, I got to be honest with you, those are things that you stopped when, two years ago when you were like 12. And to be honest, when you're seeing things like that happen, I just wonder why you even want to play at this level. <laughs> Damn. Oh, dude, the very next day I started therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been going since. And, and it was like, how did she know all of this? Like, like, when did she get all in tune with this stuff, right? And I never quite realized that at some point in time, mom was watching. And she was, yeah. right? So, so I, I wonder how much your mom has learned along the way from watching you compete and, and watching you advance your career. It would be interesting to see, you know, what she's picked up along the way. Yeah, she actually, like, did a cross race two years ago. Just in the old, in the, she actually, uh, it was very embarrassing. She beat my girlfriend at the time, who was also doing her <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if if that girl is listening, she's not gonna be stoked that I brought that up. But oh, yeah. I love it. My mom, like, I love it. And, and just like fucking kicked and like came by like cheering for her. Of okay. course, like she's like, yeah, good job, you're doing. As she just like fucking like fifty nine year old woman just rides past you on a bike that like barely works and like literally using like all of my stuff from when I was like a kid. She just like always rides in my hand-me-down clothes. So it's funny because like she she's like was work like you like has recently works a lot on the weekends and stuff like when I was racing more like locally, and so they didn't come. My like parents never really came to all, a lot of the races. Sure, but like she um, like definitely picks up and like oh cyclocross is super fun. I like riding bikes. Like I just got her like a gravel bike last year. Nice. And she probably rides like more than I do at this point. Like almost, it's it's just ridiculous. And so it's just, it is funny to like 
see what they pick up and she's like oh yeah barriers like oh i'm carrying this through the sand pit and you're like yeah so again it, it would have been interesting to bring the two super forces together at some point in yeah. time because uh, i'll tell you my mom one of her biggest piss-offs was the holiday season when you would do father-son games yeah and she'd just get pissed she'd be like why can't i participate I can go out there and I can outskate half these guys. Look how fat some of these guys are. These guys are yeah. no competition. This is a joke. We should just have <laughs> practice because this yeah. is a waste. One of these guys is going to fall down and break a hip. Like this is how she would talk as she'd be yeah. driving to that practice, right? She'd be so pissed, so pissed, right? Oh yeah, and she'd be sprinting around the track the whole time, right? Ripping on people. So, so let, let me to ask you this here: like in all your years of competing here and our moms being kind of like the backbone of, of pushing us up. What, what's some of the advice you got from your mom as a competitor? What's mom been like as a sideline coach or agent? What's that been like? Yeah, I think like it's been, I haven't, I don't think that I've relied on like my mom as like a coach or an agent as much because she has been really good at like, just kind of like not trying to, after she st steered me away from the other two sports that I loved yeah. and was like, cycling now. <laughs> that I loved, that I loved, yeah. right? Throw that in there, that I loved. So I had like, I had some pretty sizable feet when I, like my feet were really big as a kid and they just never kept growing. My body just like slowly sort of kept up. So when I was a kid, I was a really fucking good swimmer because I had just flippers. I don't <laughs> think I'd be good. I'm not tall, but like I've been a really similar height since like, eighth grade oh and so like I, I i like had this little growth spurt and had the big feet and long arms and so i was really fast swimmer but i don't think it would have lasted but i was like <laughs> i i loved it so much but yeah like i don't know i think she's been very helpful in just like support like just being a very like supportive ally because you know trying to pursue a professional career especially in a sport like yeah, cycling yeah. where there's not a lot of career opportunities there's not a lot of right. like you know it's like i like i didn't I went to school and was racing in, uh, was racing collegiate, which in cycling is like, if you're going to go pro, you're probably skipping school. Like if you're going world tour, you're, you're skipping school and you're like starting to race in Europe already. Right. And that wasn't like, I, that wasn't an opportunity for me when I was 18, but I still just loved riding bikes and loved racing. And so I was just like slowly progressing and just always having someone in your court that was like, no, like, it's okay that you're like, not trying to do, like, not trying to get a real job with your degree, like not trying to do. And it's like, interesting, because my dad's always like, still pushing me to like, he's more into like, you should like, start making money at some point. Like, <laughs> you're broke, right? Like, right. You're broke. like, you're getting paid so little to ride bikes. Like right. you have a degree in economics and math. You could make so, and my mom's like, yeah, like whatever you need. Like if you need to move back into end of the house, like, oh, all this stuff. And just like, it's always good to have like a, a, it's good to have that reality check of like, okay, like maybe there is a better thing that I could be using my brain for right now. But right. then also like having someone who's like, understands why you're like, why I'm working in a bike shop at night and riding in the morning or like, why I'm like, like making these sacrifices and like being very supportive of the sacrifices and being supportive of the decisions that I'm making and like letting me make those decisions, but just always like 
having someone in my corner, like good or bad, I think it's been very helpful. It's amazing. The power of mom, right? It's, yeah. it's amazing. The power of mom. And, and it's funny. My cousin, uh, at his wedding had this saying about the mothers in our lives. And, and he said, thank God for all the things that our mothers know. Yeah. If our fathers knew half of what they know, I probably wouldn't be here today. Right. And, and it's, it's true. Like he, he meant it in, in a good way with all the, the trouble he got in and <laughs> how much his mom saved him from getting thrashings his entire life from his father. But it was at the same time, like I look at it in another way, like, like you just said, thank God for the power of our moms and the influence they have in our lives to encourage us to go and do the things that others would tell us maybe not to do and be more practical. And, you know, my, mine, she, she put something in my head many years ago and I remember packing up my car and I was going to be driving to Michigan to go play semi-professional hockey and, and she just sat there on the, on the driveway by herself as I was pulling on out. And she said to me, this is something that's on your, your what if list. And I said to her, what? And she said, you know, your father doesn't get it. You, 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 your father's thinking, you know, you, you should be moving on with school. You should be moving on with other things in your life. You've done everything you're going to do with this. But I get it. It's a what if. Yeah. I looked at it and I go, what if? And, and, and my mind's in a competitive zone here. What do you mean, what if? And she said, you know, one day you're going to be looking at yourself and you're going to be saying to yourself things like, what if? What if I tried to do this? What if I tried to do that? What if I took the, the time to walk across the dance floor and ask that person to dance, right? What if? And there's nothing I can do to save you from that moment. And if this is one of those what ifs, if this is that last itch you need to scratch, then go do it. Go do it. And and I, I got to tell you, buddy, I use that saying, the what if list, at least five times a week to somebody, somewhere, some team, whatever. And it makes so much sense now looking back. Um, it's a huge what if. And, oh. and, and in my brain, you know, knowing more now what she was talking about, I can understand that what she meant was, you know, in order to have as much of a content life as possible, you got to eliminate as many of those what ifs as possible. Because yeah. if you don't, it's just going to be like a rash for the rest of your life, you know? Totally. So, so I feel like, like I, I totally, I'm breaking up a little bit. It's okay. What were you going to say? So, you know, tell me what you were going to say about being able to relate to that. What if? No, totally. I think like the what if is a really, I think after I graduated college, uh, so I graduated college in 2014, I was racing on like an amateur professional team. Uh, and it was like, okay, like, I don't, I know I don't want to get a job. Like I, like there's, I, I'm not like, there's not a lot of things in this world that I like want, but I could, I could tell you any day of the week what I don't want. Like, I know that I don't want to go work in an office. I know that I don't want to wear a suit and I know that I don't. And like, it's ironic because I studied in school. I studied these things that I'm really passionate about that are really conducive to like going and getting jobs. <laughs> and like, I'm a toxic. Like, like, um, it's math. Like, 
you should go get a job. I'm like, yeah, but that sounds like the exact thing I don't want to do. Right. And it's like, I think, you know, I've never really thought of it as like a what if, but it's like totally like, right. You don't want to live with a, re- you don't want to live with regret. You don't want to go. I don't want to be, I don't want to be 35, 30 and be like, wow. Like I wish I had given more to cycling. Right. And like, I can always give more, like everyone is in a different place financially and emotionally and like in their life and stuff. And so you can only like, I, I also work a full-time job while I'm racing. And that's just like a reality that I live in. Cause I can't like support myself just from cycling and I can't. And it's like, you know, part of me is like, what if I didn't have to work, but it's like, well, okay, I would be living on the streets and eating beans. Like that sounds like <laughs> green beans, even better. <laughs> yeah, green beans. So it's like, but you know, it's like I put of the things that I can, like, you know, I'm not able to, like, I have to, I have a super sweet gig right now and like I'm working from home and it's definitely enabled me to race at a high level. But like, yeah, just living a life that's like, okay, I gave everything I could towards this athletic pursuit because I'm only going to be 23, 24, 25 now. Like I can go. And like, I think recently, like that's transferred to a lot of different parts of my life. And like one of the things I've been trying to do uh, for like the last six months now is like, just say yes to more stuff and like say yes to new opportunities, say yes to new experiences. Because like, just because the experience is bad doesn't mean that would, it was not worth having. Right. And like, you know, I think that like, what if moment thing can be translated far beyond like athletics and all that stuff. Right. Like you don't want to be like, I just, I like moved into my, the back of my truck and was in California for a month and a half. And it was like, you know, like that's just like a scary thing to do. And it's like definitely like life on the road away from friends, family. Like I've, but it's like, yeah. Like what if you don't do that? But you're never going to know what happens until, until you try these things. And like just saying yes to more stuff is something I feel like a lot of us don't do in our day-to-day lives. And like, we just get like trapped in the like nine to five, like working on the weekend, weekend warrior kind of thing. And it's like, that's not, it's not saying that it's bad. It's just different. It's like, but just setting myself up for an ability to be open to traveling, be open to new opportunities, be open to new experiences and like just have a very full life right now while I am like 23 and don't have debt and credit card payments and house bills and all these things. I, I, I love what you're saying. Like I, I'm, I'm nodding my head like a, like a, a bobo doll right now, like a bobblehead. And, and I love what you're saying because, you know, it, it's not only taking advantage of that opportunity in life that you have, like you mentioned, being young and being able to, to go out and experiment. But one of the things that I've learned years ago that I pass on to, to athletes your age and a little bit older now is that when you're doing these things, not only are you growing as a person saying yes to more, because in our world, in our life, we're so quickly taught to say no first, right? No, no is what you're supposed to do. And it's always a maybe down the road. But one of the things that is, is so powerful in being able to say yes more and eliminate some of those what ifs that that most young athletes your age and a little bit older don't realize is when you get to that crossroad of moving on in your life from all of this many will look back and go shit you know i spent so much time 
trying to find myself and I spend so much time trying different things and doing different things. I really don't know what I'm going to be able to put down on a piece of paper that's going to be worthy enough of getting a callback, an interview, a response of any sort that they saw me trying to apply for an opportunity in this next phase of life, a job, career, whatever it may be. And that's when I stop people and go, do you have any clue how amazing of a call it's going to be for that future employer to have with you? Do you have any clue of how amazing of a person you would be to be with a company? Because you've had so many amazing experiences in your life that I'm dying to see it tomorrow because I want to pick your brain for more stories. I actually look forward to seeing you at work. And yeah. it's incredible, right? Like I, I had this friend, she's a graphic artist, and, and what I'm about to tell you obviously would not work in every field. But she was so talented, so talented. In, in, in school, when we went to high school together, I mean, one of the most amazing artists I've ever seen. And to the point where she was so good that she would sandbag herself because she, she was so scared of showing up to people beside her. But, but every now and then you'd see this burst of talent and you'd go, oh my God, do you have any clue how good you are? And, and after some incredible encouragement from friends and, and some of her family, she pursued a, a degree in art and that turned into graphic art. And, and she had this opportunity to apply for this incredible job and they wanted to see a portfolio and she didn't feel she had a very good portfolio. So what we had done, another friend and I, is we had encouraged her, just try, just, just apply. Just apply and, and you'll wing it when you get there. But all the other crazy things you've had in your life, it's going to make it so much more fruitful and colorful when they get to meet you. And she said, you know what, um, I'm, I'm going to throw caution to the wind. I'm going to get as creative as I possibly can because there's no way I'm going to get this job. There's no way that they're ever going to even want to talk to me. So I got nothing to lose. So this is what she did. She took a brown bag with a little handle on it and she painted a picture of her face on the brown bag and she put all these different collages of herself on this brown bag. It's amazing. The brown bag alone, you wanted to frame. But what she did afterwards was even more incredible. She took balloons and she attached balloons to the bag. And then on top of that, what she did is before she sewed it all up together, she took a roll of toilet paper and she put her resume on the toilet paper. And at the end of her resume on the toilet paper, she wrote to them and said, and if you think that my work is not worthy of an opportunity to meet with you, then you can just simply tear right here and use the rest of the role for what it's meant for. Damn. Dude, she got hired. They didn't even, they didn't even interview her. They said, we would like to hire you. And, and it comes back to the what ifs. What if I just laid it all out there? What if I tried? What if I just allowed myself to say yes? What if, right? And, and it's, it's funny because you remind me of when you say about having a goal of saying yes more. My grandfather used to say, um, the greatest thing about being a grandfather or a grandparent is, is this. As an adult, it's your job to always say no. Yep. But as a grandparent, I always get to say yes. <laughs> and, and this is what you work to, 
right? You, you, you work to being able to say those yes moments and, and, and fulfill those yes moments. So I, I think it's great. So, so let me throw you under the bus. What's one of the things that uh, you've pushed yourself to say yes to? Oh, pushing myself to say yes to. I think like, I don't know, for better or worse, I think pushing myself to say yes to like things that I haven't done maybe as much as a, as uh when I was like as focused on racing full time, like, cause you have to say no to a lot of experiences sure. and a lot of opportunities. And so just trying to be, it's hard, right? Because like, so I race, I race cyclocross in the winter and that's a much more relaxed pursuit. Sure. Like, like professional road racing is a very difficult endeavor. It's a very selfish endeavor. It's a very solo endeavor. Like there's a lot of like sacrifices that you have to make. Uh, and then, so it is nice to like have that little like let loose at the end of the season, but like saying yes to like, I went to single speed worlds on a whim with a friend of mine during the cross season. Like everyone else didn't want to go. I was like, well, this is one thing that I've said I want to do. I want to go to that. And like, after that, it's like, it was one of the best trips. And like, it was like, all right, I didn't have, I didn't have a ride. I didn't have a, a way to get down there. And my friend who I like knew from college, we like train and race together a little bit, uh, got in a car, didn't, hadn't really spent much time together, like knew each other a little bit, got in a car, drove the 10 hours to Utah. We're going to camp. And then she was going back to Durango, which is six hours from Boulder. And cause it was Thanksgiving weekend. And she's like, yeah, I can give you a ride down there. It'd be great to carpool. But like, I'm going to Durango afterwards. And I like kind of like was talking to some other friends from Boulder and stuff. No one really wanted to go. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm flying back or we're, we don't have space. And so I was like, I guess I'm going to Durango afterwards. Cause uh, that's where my ride is going. And one of my best friends, my like best friend from growing up that we would always go ride bikes with. He lives in Durango now, went to school there. And so it was like, well, perfect. I'll just get a ride home from Ian uh, when I get back. And it ended up being like, super fun trip one single speed worlds like got this new tattoo like went camping in zion like the, i don't even th we don't have enough time to go into the things that happened at like this race but it was like and ended up with like a friend for life because of just like being in the car for 10 hours at a time and like camping in zion camping in all these like crazy places and like riding bikes and stuff and just realizing how fun everything is still because a lot of times like when we're traveling it's it's hard to remember how like lucky we are to be doing this. And so like things like that and just like saying yes to like riding with different people and like meeting up with people that, you know, you've sort of like lost touch with over the course of the, over the course of racing and stuff. And just like, yes to alternative ways to train and like be show up ready for things. I love it. I, I just, I, I love it. I mean, the, the ability to implement free spiritness, the ability to implement um, some some form of emotional strength to say I'll try, let's see how this goes. Um, I think it's huge. I I, I I just think it's so huge. It, it it literally it literally will strengthen that what if in a possible way, in a positive way. So, totally. and I think one I of the mean, other things too is like. It's like 
I so I grew up in Boulder. I went to college here. I've I've I know a lot of people, and it's hard because like your a lot of your identity is tied into what you've been doing. Yes. And so like most of my identity, I'd be like Max Chance cyclist. And so it's been an interesting attempt to try to like not break from that, right? Because like that is still who I am, like still a professional cyclist through and through, right? But like having the courage to like say yes to maybe having different identity and like different like opportunities and stuff, which is definitely super scary. But like I think it's been really rewarding and like being more in touch with how I feel about like doing things and individuality and like being able to express myself in a way that like, you know, and like it can't always go on Instagram and it can't always be like public, but like, you know, doing things for me because I want to do them. And like, just, I feel like one of the things I've been trying to focus on recently is like, just like going out and riding my bike for fun. Cause I really just love riding bikes and that, for me recently hasn't been road bikes it's been like gravel or cyclocross for gravel's like the hot new term right but um it's like going out riding my bikes in nature and like going trail running and like other things that aren't because like in years past right it's been road season it's been road bikes road bikes road bikes and you know it's like just because you're not in a road bike doesn't mean you're not riding and so it's like it's and it's but it's it's like old school mentality. And it's hard to break from the fact that it's like, you know, we got road races to do. We got to get ready for road races. Like we need to get stronger, faster on the road. And it's like being okay with that, like being able to push back from to my coach and like to people and surrounding yourself with people who support your decisions. Right. And like recently my coach and I have like had a really good relationship where it's like, this is what I feel like I need to do this week. Like I understand that I need to do intervals. I understand I need to do these things, but it's like, it's race out today. Uh, so I'm going to go ride for five hours on my gravel bike and like not look at my head unit, not really care about what power numbers I'm doing. And it's like, you get back and it's a super productive day of training and you just feel really mentally refreshed and all of these things. And so I think like one of that other things is like saying yes to like how I feel and not always just like taking, taking advice of others just like blindly, you know? Well, you know, one of the things that I hear you describing, which is which is fantastic, kind of t- ducktails into into my point is being able to know yourself enough to know that there's times to push and and how exactly I need to push. Where it's to say, you know, sometimes I'm going to do some form of cross training, which allows me to actually be better at that which I do whether it's a mental release, a physical release, a physical cross train, it's huge because I can only imagine what the burnout rate is like amongst many that you know. Because one of the things I have so much respect for and, and, and what you guys do is you're all alone. You know, you're, you're, you're all alone. And, and there's a few sports I can, I can cross-reference it to, but the thing that makes cycling so, so wow to me is even though you've got, you got guys out there wearing the same kit, we're on the same team, we're, we're pulling for the same thing, you're alone, man. And, and, yeah. and there can be moments where you're literally out in the ocean all by yourself. And, you know, I was talking to a guy this morning 
and I, I tried this new uh, workout routine. And the new work, workout routine is something I found on this thing called uh, YouTube. And it's a bunch of people who are doing burpees, right? And this guy's done like a, for 30 days, did 100 burpees a day. What's that like, right? So I can't remember the last time I did a burpee. To this morning, I dropped down and started my little burpee routine. And I said, I'm going to do this. And it's amazing. As soon as the pain kicks in, how quickly your mind kicks in to say, you know what? 25 is great. You know what? 30 is perfect. You know, there's all these reasons and all these things that come up to make you stop. So, so to be able to be out in the middle of the ocean and to have all those negative thoughts come in, I think it's the ability to do what you're doing, which is that release from that moment that could cause burnout and create a different fire that will fuel me when those little negative raindrops start hitting me. You know, totally. little things that I can shed myself from because I took the time to do something else, which not only helped me physically as a professional athlete, but it helped me mentally and emotionally. And I could release my thinking in that direction when those negative raindrops start hitting me. I think it's brilliant. I, I know I needed that. I know, I know as, as a hockey player, I needed that. And, and the great thing about my mom is she understood that I needed that. Where my, my release was soccer. I could go and I could slide around the field, kick the ball around and be lousy. And, and she didn't need to have to be there 150% of the time because she knew that was your thing to do to make this other thing happen. Yeah. And, and I feel like, yeah, totally. For me, like riding off-road, like riding with my friends and just being outside, like I weirdly love trail running for like the fact that I ride bikes like none of my friends do it, but I love it. I just love being in nature. And that's one thing I like really enjoy doing in the off season and like riding bikes off road. You're just like able to like focus and like hit those hard training days. Right. Cause like, yeah, it's like doing 30 burpees. We have this one workout that we do. That's like 54 sprints oh. in like an hour. Oh. And it's like, why would you, why would you do that voluntarily? If like, you know, it's so easy to pause, but that's like what you need. I think there's a podcast I listened to recently. Cause I was on the road for a long time by myself, which I don't know if this is like, I mean, we've met a couple times, but like, you know, we've been talking for what, like an hour at this point. Yeah. And if, I don't know if you realize this, but I love to talk. I love to talk with people. I love to be surrounded with people. So one of the scary things about getting in my truck was that I was alone for a long time. And I'm not even a big driver. I don't like driving. Like, I was joking with my friend because the one we went, I was like, I was like, I don't, this is, this is weird. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this because like, I love to talk and I love to talk with people and be with people. And this is like, for a lot of stretches, I am alone. I was visiting friends and stuff, but so one of the podcasts I was listening to was, uh, it's a uh, Payson McKelvin. He's pro mountain biker. He's got a podcast called the event. Uh, and he was interviewing, he's a Red Bull athlete. So he's interviewing the coach for the Red Bull High Performance Center, which is like, he's the guy who's coming up with like, I'm sure you've seen it, like the Red Bull athletes doing unreal stuff in the gym. Yeah. And he's the guy that like comes up with that. And he had a very interesting quote that's like really stuck with me. It's like, you know, you need to find the way to make training fun, right? Because yeah. if you have a professional skateboarder in the gym, right? you tell them, all right, I need 50 sprints across the floor. There's no, like the professionals, that skateboard is not going to do it. No right. way. 
Why would he do that? He's not doing that. But here's this person who is going to go jump off a staircase a hundred times until he nails the trick. You're right. Like that person has a work ethic. He yeah. is a committed, he's hucking himself and crashing and falling on, on his, like crashing, not like 50 times before he gets it that 51st time. So if you are like, you're going to start, I'm going to roll this hula hoop backwards and you're going to sprint and run to try to jump through it and not knock it over. He'll do a hundred. Yeah. And so it's like finding ways to get people to like use, not like trick yourself. Right. But like, be able to do these things mentally, right? Because it's like, yeah, 30 burpees is hard. But if you're doing them with a friend or if you're like doing them, you know, in a certain way that like is in tune with how you operate things, it's like 30 burpees is easy. Let's do 50. Yeah. You know, sprints are hard, but sprinting through a hula hoop is fun. Let's do it all day. Well, well you know, it's so funny what you're saying because like you, you, you're just making me feel good about things I've shared with other people. Um, <laughs> Because the reality of it is, um, one of the things that, that I, I've shared with guys who, and, and when I say guys, ladies and men, um, that hit that burnout phase. Mm-hmm. Um, the burnout phase is almost like, like that, that scenario where you know you're hurting yourself, but you can't stop hurting yourself. And it's to say that I'm, I'm so used to a routine that when I finish my routine, I feel a sense of accomplishment. Like I check it off, I did something today. I accomplished something today. I was productive today. But the problem is that whatever you did today, I don't know if you did it as hard as you could have done it because you just weren't having fun doing it. And, and what I tell young athletes moving on up the, whatever you want to call it, the mountain, the hill, the climb to get to wherever it is they want to get to, the people who become the best of the best to get to those, those elite levels somehow along the way have made the hard stuff fun. The, yeah. the mundane fun. And, and when you're around pros, like watching you and the guys get together, when you guys are all together, you're a bunch of clowns. And, and, and what's so great about that is, is you're a bunch of clowns. And, yep. and uh, if anyone knows anything about pro athletes, that's what they are. They're a bunch of clowns. Yep. When you got behind the, behind the scenes, they're a bunch of humongous little children who are these well-conditioned kids they do stupid things. They, they got to be told the same things uh, a million times over again, right? Because they're like little kids in the head and they found these amazing ways to make the mundane fun. And that's why totally. it's so good. And I, I think like sub, like, I don't think that we all realize it. Right. But like subconsciously, right. Like we're, I'm still 12. Yeah. Like I'm still, I am still a 12 year old yeah. riding around off road with my friends and like, avoiding responsibilities i'm avoiding doing homework and like that's great like i was doing that now and now it's like all right like i have work i have things i need to do but like there's this other thing that like is really fun still and so it's like protecting that at all costs right it's like you know we're all just like children because no one who's like an adult and doesn't like having fun is still doing sports because like you can make so money to do way more boring things you know, it's like, it's funny. Cause I was, I was coaching for the same cycling team that like helped me out when I was a kid, I was one of the original members. And then when I was in college, I was a coach for four years and it was the best thing I ever did because I just got to hang out with like other kids all the time. And like, there was another coach who was an adult, like I was 19 and like barely like out of the program myself. 
And so, like, I would just, like, go ride around and, like, screw around with the kids and, like, make up these dumb games that, like, I think were fun and be like, all right, I want to do this. And it was, like, the best time, like, had a great time with all the kids. And it was, like, like I was, like, yeah, this is great. Like, I am just a large version of you. So, like, <laughs> what I think is fun is, like, yeah, but, like, I don't want to do sprints. I don't want to do a workout. Yeah. But, like, if it were me, I could do a lap of this course all out racing my friends all day. Right. So it, it's funny, right? Because I've been working with kids um, in this, this program that I run for fun on the side for about 18 years. And, and parents will come up to me all the time and they'll say, I can't believe you're still doing this. I can't believe you're, you're, you still do this. Why? Yeah. And, and the first thing I tell them is um, if I don't hang around kids, I'll never ever be able to work my phone. Yeah, yep. you got to work my phone. I mean, and you did scared. send me three Zoom meetings. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, you could, like spend some more time with the children. There you go. Right? It, it, <laughs> it, it's awesome. Like it, it, it's awesome. I, and and you know what? Um, I, I think you choose how you want to live your life. And if you choose to live a sedimentary life, then God bless, it'll get there. But if you choose to live an active life, that life that's filled with vitality and you're saying yes more, wow, what an exciting life. And what a colorful life. And, and yeah. just think right now with your mind shift that you've recently had of saying yes more, just think about how many stories you've added to your life that you're going to pass on to others down the road, right? And then amazing. You joke about that, but like it's actually a problem because uh, like now I have like I'm already a talker and I already have a bunch of stories because like I've been doing dumb shit for a long time, right? Yeah. And uh, like I was at a cross race with some of the because like on the professional road side of things, like right, we travel a lot. Like I was counting up the days since uh, I was home after like so we were at a team camp in the middle of July. And then from July to New Year's, mm-hmm. I was home no more than a week and a half the rest of the year. Wow. And so it's like, I travel a lot. And like half of that is self-induced. Like everyone else hangs it up after the end of the road season. And I jump right into a complete other discipline that still has nationals and stuff. And so it was funny because I had been to, we had done this last race of the season in Japan, Japan Cup. And had a great race, but then one of my teammates and I stayed an extra week in Tokyo and just stayed in a hostel and like, and we weren't racing anymore. So it was just like full debauchery mode. And I came home and did, was at home, did one real cross race, went to single speed worlds, which is like more of a drinking race than a race race. And then the next weekend I was in, uh, where I was in Oklahoma and I had finally like had the time, like we were at dinner with my two teammates and uh and like some friends that we've been training with for years and we all got food and they were like oh how was japan and i was like let me tell you an hour later everyone's done i have eaten one bite of my burger everyone has already finished their beer and i have like had three because i have not been talking i've just been talking nonstop. (laughs) and then they're like i was like cool okay i need to eat something like someone else tell a story start eating again and then somehow like single speed worlds gets brought up and I'm like, all right, well, I got to put the food down because this is another hour of story and I'm not even getting all the highlights. I'm just like 
we're like glazing over a lot of details. I love it. I love it. I love it. So it's like, it's, it's honestly bad. I need to have less story. Like I can fill too many rooms with like nope. talking. Buddy, I love it. I love it. I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this, right? Like, like I, I feel like, like you could be the relative I should have had. Um, so, so growing up as a kid, um, my my grandparents raised me for a good portion yeah. of my life, and my grandmother, God bless her, took the bus and the subway all over the city, and we would go grocery shopping every week. And, and we'd get on the bus, the bus would take us to the train station, train station would take us to the subway, subway would take us to the market. And there's only, you know, the specific markets that she had to go to. And then we did the same thing all the way coming back, right? And, and you know, my, my mom would come to see me on the weekend and pick me up kind of thing. And she'd say, so how was he? And my grandmother would say in this little, little squeaky voice, she'd say, this one here, everywhere we go, he had talked to everybody. He talked to everybody. <laughs> I cannot leave him alone. Everybody. And for, for years, she used to call me the cheap suit. This one. He's a cheap suit. He's a cheap suit, this one. And I think cheap suit. And everyone would laugh and laugh and laugh. And then finally, someone came to the house. I, I don't know who it was, right? And, and my grandmother makes the comment, oh, this one here, he's a cheap suit. He's a cheap suit, this one. And they ask, what is a cheap suit? The cheap suit is the one that you know you put on. And the lint. It comes and it sticks to you like a cheap suit. The lint, it sticks. This one, every time we get on the bus, the train, we sit down in the subway, the cheap suit it brings lint. All these people come talking to him. <laughs> it's like lint. They come to him from every direction. I cannot leave him alone. He won't shut his mouth. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> You're a cheap suit. <laughs> like the whole time you're telling that story, I was like, what, the, what could this analogy possibly be? You well, like, I think it's a compliment. <laughs> you don't actually own a suit, so being a cheap suit is like, <laughs> Which is like maybe, it was like, that was a moderately big portion of why I dropped out of the business school, but like that's a time story for a different time. Buddy, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough. We're doing version two, and you know what we're going to do, you and I? We're going to do version two, and I'm going to have you with me, and we're going to interview some of the guys. That's what we're doing. I like I've this is a dream because I have been trying to become a co I don't have the bandwidth to start a podcast but I could ask questions of anyone Don and my coach has the podcast but he like we have a very like jovial like friend buddy buddy like roast each other up kind of relationship and so he'll have me on and he'll and nothing will happen because we'll just talk shit about one another <laughs> the whole time and like we'll try to say something real and it just slowly diverges onto like how I want to hunt down a deer by running it down. And I'll get way into the weeds of my theory about this. Love and it. we'll be like, what was even the question? But I've been trying to convince him to let me be a co-host, but he wants to keep his podcast super serious. Oh yeah. No. But 100%, next time someone's in, like be like, all right, Max is going to co-interview you. Done. Done. Very good. So I, this is what I will do. I, I will send you uh, a list of the guys who've gotten back to me. And to be honest with you, the guys are amazing. They've all gotten back to me in some way, shape, or form. So I will send you a list, and we will we will knock it out of the park. Sounds good. Because Danny has been lighting the fire under everyone's butt. He sent us an email earlier. He's, he's like, talk to Dr. Dr. J. We don't have any content. We need content for the sponsors. I love it. 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 Okay. All right, listen. I'll let you go. You're the best. Big fist. Talk to you soon, brother.
to Zen. Bye.